You're listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. Yes, indeed you are. I'm Tim Brunero. Well, we thought this episode we'd look back on the year of 2022 at all the things we've covered and we'd pick out some of the highlights. Now, to help me with this, I'm joined by Jackie Woods, the Communications Director of the MEU. Jackie, what were your highlights? There have been a lot of great episodes this year, Tim, I've got to say. I really enjoyed the most recent episode where you interviewed Jenna Saunders from Blackwater Mine in Queensland. And Jenna was actually awarded the Queensland Delegate of the Year, in part because of the fantastic work she did on a big win for parental leave for uh, apprentices at BHP Mines. But also what I really loved about that episode was just to hear Jenna talking about her work as a union delegate and how she approaches it and what she gets out of it. And it did take me um, back a little to an earlier episode uh, where you produced a story about Fred Moore, who's a real legend of our of our union. He died uh, just before Christmas, I believe it was, but his funeral was um, earlier this year, and he was he was uh, ninety nine years old. And Fred just had this fantastic history as a coal miner and a union activist, but also a real activist uh, in the community fighting for a lot of social justice causes. And through those two episodes, I really felt um, it captured the spirit of, you know, what it is to be uh, a union activist fighting for a better workplace, but also fighting for a better society. Uh, Jenna does so much work and works so hard. In fact, I think when she first became Assistant Secretary, they had to say, pull back, you're doing too much. Because, of course, you don't get paid. Um, to be a delegate or to be a secretary, assistant secretary or president. Um, And she was putting so much effort in. But, of course, the reason that she got the gong this year was because of her work with apprentices, uh, BHP, who owns the pit, um, with Mitsubishi, the the BMA Alliance um, at Blackwater there. She's the secretary of the Blackwater Lodge, um, was trying to dud their apprentices out of um, maternity and paternity leave. Uh, And she wasn't going to have that. And she, she talked to us and she told us, what happened? At Blackwater, we had two apprentices that weren't a part of our union, they were part of the ETU union, and they weren't getting paid parental leave under our enterprise agreement, and we knew it was definitely wrong. So as a union, we put it in dispute, and we got to the commissioner's hands with our lawyers, and we got the lawyers to make sure that Gunyala, Siraji, and Peak Downs Lodges were able to get it in on the dispute as well, just in case we did have any apprentices or trainees up in those northern pits, just to make sure that they weren't getting dealt the same card of not being paid parental leave. And BHP conceded outside of the commissioner, stated that they were wrong, and it was out of that we had two females at Peak Downs that weren't actually getting paid parental leave. So a great win for our union, for our young kids, more or less, their kids, apprentices, um, to be paid their parental leave as per our agreement. Uh, yeah, look, look, it's a really fantastic result and I know that Jenna's really proud and everyone um, is, all, you know, is really proud of that achievement. And, and the amazing thing about it was because that agreement, that EA um, actually 
uh, covers four mines, so you've got Blackwater and Peak Downs and Suraji and Gunyella Riverside. Uh, it wasn't just apprentices at Blackwater that were affected, and she told us about author apprentice Paige Martin, who actually works at Peak Downs, and how happy she was because she had little baby Nova, and it was one less worry that she had in terms of balancing her budget in those difficult few months after having a baby, those sleepless nights and so on. Um, and in fact, uh, Jenna told us about uh, the phone call that came through from the Peak Downs Lodge officials um, because Paige had been so emotional, I suppose, and thankful. To have the Peak Downs Lodge executive ring me and explain to me who I helped over there, a female over there, that she cried and she wanted to say thank you for everything that we did at Blackwater to help her and help her future and her child's future. I think that moment to help someone I've ne never actually met before, it was so rewarding and I very humbled to know that our work that we do as an a delegate to this union, it matters to definitely somebody out there. So I think that big reward from a person I've never ever met um, has definitely gone a long way with me, that's for sure. That's why you become a delegate for those moments, Jackie. Um, it's funny, I asked Jenna because she has been a, a union activist for so long uh, for a tip or trick for other delegates and other union activists, and this is what she had to say. You have to be willing to let them speak first and listen to their concern, really listen to their concern. The only way you're actually going to help them is to know what is going on with them. Uh, so that's a big thing. You've got to learn to listen and to help them. Always remind members that they can't just go into a meeting by themselves if they have to go see the company. That Take someone, even if it's just a witness, if they can't get a delegate, take a witness in with them and also stand up and speak out, especially if they know that they are right. If it's a safety and health issue, if it's about the EA, if you don't stand up and speak out on the right things, then it, they're only going to continue doing what they're going to continue doing. Yeah, that's a good tip. What, what did you think of that one, Jackie? Look, I think it's really practical advice that makes a very big difference to people and that's where having you know proactive committed delegates on the job really makes being a member of a union worthwhile. Speaking of members uh, you mentioned Fred Moore and I think um, not only did he have uh, MEU life membership but he was well loved all over in fact I think he was a uh, had actually been initiated as an elder in the local Aboriginal community where he came from, down south there in the Illawarra. Such was their respect for him. Of course, he was an incredible figure um, and much loved in the union. I think um, at the funeral, uh, Tony Ma, I think, summed up the mutual love that Fred um, had for the union and the union had for him. The simple truth is that Fred loved the Miners' Federation and we all loved him right back. Um, Tim, my predecessor, Paddy Gorman, was, was close mates with Fred and spoke at his funeral and he relayed some of the advice that Fred gave about being a good union delegate. Fred always taught me, was the value of being a good listener. Don't rush to your own value judgments. Have a listen to what people are saying. And if you think you know a little bit better than them, bring them along gently, you know. Listen to them respectfully, talk to them respectfully. But Fred would not sit across, I mean, I've often made some terrible bloody blues, walking with Fred and had some terrible subjective judgments. And he'd pull you up very gently. He wouldn't say you're an idiot, son, you know, shut up and listen. But he would take you through very, very gently because I think he saw the best in everybody. And he had this way of being able to bring the best out in you. 
you always learned something. Every time you spoke to Fred, you always learned something. And you always came away feeling an awful lot better. I love that tip. That is actually a great tip. You know, he had the most incredible life. You know, he died just short of 100 at 99, um, but he'd had a tough upbringing. I think he lived through the Depression. He had his first job at 14 in the copper mines in Cobar. He'd had the most incredible life. Uh, And, of course, he had great historical sense of what had gone before and what had been won by previous generations of miners, and he also wanted to hand that baton on to other generations. Look, that's why I loved those two episodes, because you see that line between legends like Fred, Fred Moore and then the people who are doing the great work today, like Jenna Saunders. Fred, I was greatly appreciated that every condition we had in the mines, and socially, had to be fought for. And What we have today, or had in his time, was the sum total of everything that was fought for. He would always say, everything was fought for, nothing was ever freely given. And when you got it, you had to fight again to keep it. But he also felt a deep sense of responsibility that you don't rest on your laurels. We have an obligation to future generations to build on what we've got and what we inherited. So they come in to a better world with better better conditions. It was almost like a ultra, ultra marathon of generations that each generation fought and passed a baton on to the next one and you held that baton and you made sure you did your bit, didn't let the people down who went before you and you passed it on to the next generation. Yes, he had an incredible historical sense. In fact, why don't we hear from him? Here's him on Andrew Denton's show, Enough Rope talking about his love for unions. The union today is a powerful organisation in the miners, the CMFMEU, mining and energy and other things, and they're well geared for struggle and they've got plenty of uh, people around them that support them. And we can do without the millionaires, but they can't do without us, mate. Yes, Fred was a definite uh, highlight uh, for the for the year. But um, what about you, Tim? What did you really enjoy working on this year? Well, I got to go to Mudgee. And it's not often I get to go on an excursion, but we, we went out to Mudgee to the Western Mines Rescue Comp, and it was just incredible. People getting cut out of cars. It was like the Olympics for, for mines brigades. Um, they were putting out fires, treating patients, and that was super quick. They were very fit people in the teams. They were very fit. Um, it was incredible running hoses around, using heavy equipment, putting on all kinds of different breathing apparatus. Um, and I tell you what, if, you'd, if you ever were in a pickle or something, you would want these people around because they were really organised. Just the way they go about their business, the way they assess an emergency situation before they act. They don't just rush in, they ask specific questions, they take notes, they have a leader who's coordinating it all. It's almost like the military. It's the most amazing thing to watch. Um, We actually followed uh, a team from Springvale, the Springvale team. Um, They were competing with other Lithgow teams like Clarence and Arley, uh, and Airlie rather, against um, Yulin Underground and Yulin Surface Operations uh, and Yulin West and Wilpenjong. There was a couple of Malabin teams and there was Narrabri Coal Operations from um, the Gunnadar area. It was fantastic to watch. They were amazing. I spoke to Mark um, Delbo, who's with Mines Rescue, and asked 
How does the day work? Some of the disciplines that we have over the day would be fire and caber. We have road crash rescue, vertical rescue, confined space rescue for our open cut. And then we also have a dedicated underground event, which has three events in one. This year we were lucky enough to go to Yulin Underground, who sponsored the underground trip for us. Yeah, so they did so many cool activities, you know, they were rappelling down ropes, they were cutting people out of cars, they were putting out fires. Uh, they also went underground, the underground teams went underground. Uh, Luke Smith, who's one of the Springvale team, told me um, what the tasks were when they went underground. We tested all the BG4 suits and um, that's part of our dressage at the start. So we test all our minimum equipment, therefore we then get ushered into under, to the underground scenario, which we turned up and we went there, there was a crush injury for our first um, task. It was a lady that was pinned under a um, caber pod. So we had to use the vetter bags to get her out. She, both her legs were pinned at the time, so Captain took control. We ended up getting her free by using the airbags and then doing um, first aid on her. So that, that exercise went so fast. It was, it was all happening, um, you know, people doing first aid, other people at the time doing the vetter bags. You know, Captain took complete ownership and that task went really well. Yeah, it was an incredible day. So many um, emergency scenarios and it was just amazing to watch. It made me feel much safer. And uh, that was a great episode because it was also accompanied by a video that um, you made on the day as well, which gave a real insight. And for me, um, I know that so many of our members are involved in Minds Rescue, but I haven't seen it or heard in detail about what it involves before um, because, you know, the, these are our members who, are, who become first responders in case of disaster, so incredibly important work and uh, very insightful um, episode. So that was terrific. Of course, you're listening to the Mining and Energy Union podcast. My name's Tim Brunero. Great to be with you. We're doing a year in review and we're getting some help from Jackie Woods, uh, who's the National Communications Director of the Mining and Energy Union. Well, of course, one topic uh, is a perennial and uh, has been a feature of this year, but also um, a big part of the union's business for the last few years. And of course, that's the same job, same pay issue. Addressing um, labour hire and the fact that labour hire workers are exploited across the mining industry has been a real priority for our union for years. And um, that really re has reached a head um, over the last couple of years, especially leading up to the federal election. So same job, same pay was our big election topic this year. And we're really um, pleased that we were able to gain a commitment from, from Labor that in government they would introduce same job, same pay laws. That would mean that Labor hire workers had to be paid the same as permanent workers doing the same job. I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It's pretty simple stuff, really. And just for listeners who, and we do know we have a lot of people who aren't coal miners who listen to the podcast and really enjoy it, um, what companies have done over the last decade is um, bring in labour hire staff or workers who aren't, um, who are wearing the same shirt, doing the same work, but aren't on the same EA as that that's been negotiated on site. And that companies have been doing it, BHP, Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, and, and basically paying them a lot less, and they get a lot less entitlements as well. They're often casuals, which means they don't get annual leave. So they're basically getting dudded all round. Um, you might remember we heard from Jenna Saunders a little bit earlier. She, of course, is Secretary of the Blackwater um, Number 1 Lodge in Queensland. Uh, she explains what uh, same job, same pay means to her and having labour hire workers doing the same job as her 
shoulder to shoulder with her. Over the 15 years, you, you see a workforce has gone from 70% permanent to 30% permanent. So they've gone from a permanent workforce to a labour hire or contractor workforce where unfortunately employees that do the same job as I do day in, day out, do not get entitlements as like I do, sick leave, annual leave, long service. They don't even get the coal bonus that we get paid either. What Jenna's describing there is common, commonplace across the industry because big mining companies um, have basically found a loophole in the workplace laws, meaning that um, even if they have an enterprise agreement in place that has been negotiated with the union, uh, they just uh, employ people uh, through a third-party labour hire company on a different agreement and get around paying all of those um, conditions and pay rates uh, that were um, legitimately achieved through collective bargaining. It's really a rort. It is disgraceful and a really dodgy lawyer's trick to not pay people properly. Um, of course, before the election, it was really important um, that we got a commitment um, from Tony Burke, who is now the Federal Minister for Workplace Relations. Um, we got him on the podcast and we asked him the hard questions. Um, and he, he talked to us about um, labour hire and what he thought about it. There is a role for labour hire sometimes, but its role should never be to undercut conditions. Never. And in the mining industry in particular, I've, I've met with workers where this is exactly how they're treated. And what's, what's the point of the original negotiation if the employer has the power to just walk away from it and undercut every, every pay rate and condition that had been agreed to and voted on by the workers? Um, and Tim, of course, a fantastic development this year is that we've had a change of government. So we now have a government that is really serious about workplace reform in the interests of working people. Um, and we know that same job, same pay legislation wasn't part of the first round of changes, but it is being developed. Uh, our union is being consulted and we're certainly uh, absolutely committed to making sure it's introduced next year. And we know that the government is, is committed to doing that as well. On the podcast before the election, I asked Tony Burke, I said, how would it work? How would it look when we've got these new laws? And he explained. Look, probably the, the simplest example is if you take people who, who are employed by a labour hire company like Workpack or something like that. What same job, same pay would do would be to say, okay, their terms and conditions can't be worse than the terms and conditions that are governed by the enterprise agreement that, that is there for people who are employed directly. Yeah, it'll be great to see uh, Tony Burke get those laws up in 2023 and get rid of that labour hire rort because we know that it's taking a billion dollars a year out of mining communities, out of Moorambah, out of Emerald, out of Singleton. Absolutely. And I know that uh, our members around the country are really looking forward to seeing these same job, same pay laws introduced. So, Tim, look, we've, we've covered a lot this year. It's been great to talk about those highlights. Well, well hold on. We're finishing now, are we? 
What about all the things we haven't got to? What about my episode on the shot firers? Or charges as they're known in middleiferous mines? Or what about the special episode we did on drag lines? Well, look, it's true. They're all highlights. We've done a lot of fantastic episodes this year. And look, we did that fantastic episode from Collie too, looking at what's happening in the uh, mining and power industry in WA. But people will have to go to the podcast well, and have a listen. Right, that's right. And if they do, they'll um, catch our January episode, which was on Dan Ripacoli, the straight shooter um, from The Hunter, um, Big Dan, who's um, who's uh, sticking up for coal miners in the House of Representatives. You might be able to get his uh, burger calendar for 2023 <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, listen, Jackie, it's been a lot of fun unpicking all the stories of the year and um, going through our highlights, of course, uh, you and anyone listening can relive all of those and go back through and have a listen. They're perfect for... I know that you like to listen to the podcast when you're going on long car drives. Yeah, absolutely. So if people are, are driving to visit family these uh, th- this Christmas, really encourage you to listen to the back catalogue because um, we've had some terrific episodes in 2022, but uh, we've we've also got a, a couple of years worth of episodes before that as well, Tim, don't we? So really great uh, wealth of uh, stories there for everyone to listen to. Some really good stuff there. And of course, uh, you get special points. Uh, you get a, uh, a special uh, gold star if you recommend us uh, to a friend. You can just um, text people a link if you want um, or just let them know. Uh, tell them it's a great podcast. Of course, if you want to find the podcast, uh, just uh, Google uh, Mining and Energy Union Podcast. And if you go to Apple, you can actually leave a lovely comment if you want us to leave a nice comment, a bit of encouragement. always helps with the logarithm. Um, but, you know, it, it kills me to do it, but I think we're going to have to end the episode. Um, Jackie Woods, National Communications Director of the MEU, thank you so much for um, letting us know your highlights uh, of the podcast uh, through the year and have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. Thanks, Tim, and thanks for all your work um, on the podcast this year and, of course, to Jessie, who who produces it for us and wish you both a Merry Christmas and to all the listeners. Bye.